This is ChaosCast, the Chaos Community Podcast, where we share use cases and experiences with measuring open source community health, elevating conversations about metrics, analytics, and software from the Community Health Analytics Open Source Software, or short Chaos Project, to wherever you like to listen. Welcome to this episode. This podcast is sponsored by our friends at Sustain, a community of open source enthusiasts and professionals that care about the future of open source. Learn more at sustainoss.org. On the panel today are Brian Prophet. My name is Brian Prophet. I am with the Red Hat Open Source Program Office, specifically the Community Insights team. And I am uh, responsible for helping figure out how healthy communities are using data and data analysis. And we love your work. I love that checklist, by the way. Oh, thank uh, you. Yes, very happy about that. We'll talk about that later. And Daniel Esquerdo. Hello there. How are you all doing? So this is Daniel. You've probably seen me around Chaos Community in our source commons and and one of the founders of Viterdia. Awesome. Welcome, Daniel. And myself, Georg Link. I'm a co-founder of the Chaos Project, co-lead of the governing board. I work at Biturgia as the director of sales. I am the community advisory group lead at IEEE Open. And I teach open source communities at Brandeis University. And today, I'm super excited to have Josh Simmons joining us. Why, thank you. It's so awesome to be here today. Yeah, my name is Josh Simmons, pronouns he, him, and I am president of the Open Source Initiative. And for my day job, I work as ecosystem strategy lead at Tidelift, which helps organizations manage their open source supply chain. Awesome. Welcome, Josh. And today's topic, we want to talk about open source foundations. And we came up with this topic because, Josh, you tweeted about a talk you had prepared last year. And I believe it had a rough time getting accepted to conferences. And so we wanted to bring this topic here because it's very relevant to community health. Do you want to introduce us to what the topic is? I would love to. The topic is hidden infrastructure, the foundations of open source. And it's a little bit of wordplay. Because I'm not talking about the foundations in terms of building. I'm talking about the foundations in terms of the open source foundations, the nonprofits that provide a home for the world's most successful and popular open source projects, everything from Git to Kubernetes and in between. But the thing that I have been going on about for at least a couple of years, and it's not the most popular topic, and it's a little dry, admittedly, but it's interesting to me and it's super important. So I'm grateful to have a venue to discuss it here today. It's this notion that we have these open source foundations that are an essential part of the open source ecosystem that provide a neutral home to steward the patents, the copyrights to our open source projects, to to steward the, the finances of our open source projects make sure that they're spent wisely and transparently. And also the foundations also provide sort of legal support for these open source projects. So there's a whole host of services that foundations provide to open source projects that are just absolutely essential. 
You look at the Python Software Foundation or the Apache Software Foundation, Software Freedom Conservancy. There are dozens, if not hundreds, of these foundations. And as much as over the last seven years, we have been discussing open source sustainability, the sustainability of individual projects within open source, we haven't really done a lot to discuss the sustainability of the nonprofit foundations that they call home. And to me, that seems like a glaring omission in our discourse. And the importance of open source foundations, just one more example is the Chaos Project wouldn't exist without foundations. It was because we were at the Linux Foundation event where we were bringing together a lot of people who share concern for community health and measuring that we could have this dialogue that spans many open source projects. I don't know if we were would have been able to find each other if not because of a foundation where we have these concerns that are cutting across the entire open source ecosystem. So Josh, I'm kind of curious, like, what do you see as some of the major challenges to open source foundation sustainability? And I'm not really pushing back so much as times have changed, like in the early days of open source and free software, there weren't a lot of foundations at all. And now you can't throw a stick without hitting one. So sustainability, yes, is very important, but I'm kind of wondering, like, what are the challenges that you see for foundations around this? Through my, my time at Open Source Initiative, you know, I'm in my fifth year on the board there. I've had occasion to interact with a lot of different people at various open source foundations all over the world. And, you know, we're building the global tech infrastructure really rests not only on these open source projects, but on the open source foundations that back them. And this presents challenges because the investment in the projects and the investment in the foundations is not at all commensurate with the explosive growth of the downstream users of the software. And so we find ourselves with these organizations who are tasked with handling things as mundane but important as accounts receivable for projects, just making sure that projects can get paid and receive sponsorship from organizations that, that support them, doing things like providing legal support when a project wants to host a meetup or a conference and wants to implement a, a sound code of conduct as a part of that. There are all these things that open source projects need from their foundations that really are invisible to most people. And as the dependence on these projects grows downstream and outstrips the investment upstream, we end up in this place where there's less and less to go around to support these projects. There's also just paying for the, the infrastructure that those projects run on. Someone's got to pay for all that computing infrastructure to host the continuous deployment and integration pipelines. Someone's got to pay for the place to, to host those files or, or repos that people download from. And the investment has just not been commensurate. And so the, the challenges are both in diminishing the amount of resources that we can put into the projects, as well as just the foundations raising awareness that they even exist. If foundations remain hidden and fairly invisible, then I suspect the trajectory isn't likely to change. 
And so we end up with in this really challenging situation where we really are relying on these organizations just to do more and more with less and less, which, you know, those trend lines, those, those don't end in a good place. With respect to this, then this, my understanding of what you are explaining here is that open source foundations may need more marketing or more advertisement, like, hey, we are here, hello, we are doing this work and supporting these open source projects and so on. But then at the same time, they are providing these services to the same open source projects. So where do you see this balance between growing and growing as a a foundation or being more smaller foundation, but really focused on providing those services to the projects? So there's a great variety in the foundations. And I think you, you allude to this. There's a great variety in the level of service that various foundations provide for projects. You may start an open source project and, and often the, the primordial stage for that project is, Hey, I'm a solo maintainer of a project and there's really no need for me to receive funding or support for this project yet because it's just a hobby. I just open source this thing. But suddenly as people start depending on your project, as people start opening issues and opening pull requests, and filing security vulnerabilities, suddenly it becomes a bit of a job to support that open source project. And as the work of supporting an open source project grows, ultimately a maintainer very reasonably wants to have some additional support in in doing that work. Now, not only does the maintainer ultimately want additional supports in doing that work, but frankly, the downstream users want more guarantees about the future of that project. For instance, Say I'm insert Fortune 500 company here, and there's a piece of open source software that I would like to incorporate to meet some sort of business need that I have. And that project is some random person side project that is not accountable to anyone, that doesn't provide any guarantees about the governance of the project or how the copyrights will be stewarded into the future, how decisions are made about new features. It's kind of a risky bet. You know, if I'm if I'm trying to make run a business on top of things, typically I want to know, I want to be confident about the long term, the future health of these projects. And a key to doing to, to being confident about that is having projects belong to a foundation where there is some definition around how this project is governed and stewarded for the benefit of the whole community. And so we start with these projects in sort of this primordial state. At some point, they look for some backing. And this takes me to the breadth of the, the type of foundations or supports that are out there. You know, a project early on might say, oh, you know, let me just add GitHub sponsors and that's good enough. So then they can accept monthly or one-off donations to their project, which can help underwrite the work. At some point, it actually is challenging for your downstream users to write you a check. Google is not going to write a check to Josh Simmons, the maintainer, but Google might write a check to Software Freedom Conservancy earmarked for Josh the maintainer's work on Git, the project that we all use. And so there's this gap that projects have to cross at some point in order to receive the support from their downstream users. And a project might start with, say, GitHub sponsors, but ultimately to receive support from those bigger downstream users, a project might sign up for Open Collective, 
which is something that I, I imagine many listeners will be familiar with. An open collective is sort of like a lightweight foundation. It's a way for you to receive funds transparently and disperse funds transparently, which is really what a lot of projects need as they're getting started. But at some point, as a company that's going to be relying on these, this software, I want more guarantees, more stability, more confidence about the future of that project. And so that's when we start looking at more full service foundations. You look at, for instance, the Apache Software Foundation, which has opinions about how projects are governed. And those opinions can provide me as a downstream user some confidence that here are the boundaries within which this project is going to evolve and change. And that makes it a more reliable bet for me. So, you know, I don't know that I actually got to the point of your question here, but there is this key concept that there's a growth, there's a life cycle that projects go through, which through the various stages of that life cycle, they may find a need to belong to different types of foundations, ultimately landing in a place that is a fairly full service foundation that has opinions about governance and you know, gives me as a downstream user confidence. So I'm curious because that's a really good explanation, but it didn't really address the sustainability of foundations because now you're, you're kind of talking about the project level. And throughout all that, here's my bias. You didn't talk about corporations at all because Google might not write a check to Josh Simmons, but Google might hire Josh Simmons to work on this project, or they'll throw some of their own engineers at the project. And that's the way they sort of sustain it. And I'm not trying to say that corporations, good foundations, bad or anything like that, but that role is in there. And I'm wondering how that fits within the notion of foundational sustainability that you brought up. That's a great point. So many companies absolutely will empower their staff to contribute to open source projects, particularly the open source projects that company relies on. It's absolutely true that even at some companies, they actually will pay people full time to work on these things. Using Google again as an example, I know Google employs the full-time maintainer of Git or did for many years. And so it's true that one of the ways that companies, corporations are supporting open source projects is by paying their staff to work on those projects. However, that is not that common. It is reasonably common for companies to support their staff in contributing, but it is vanishingly few companies that actually pay people full-time to be a maintainer of an open source project. That's unlikely. Unless it's an open source project that belongs to that company, say Google and Android, it tends to be that it's the company paying for a staff who will occasionally make upstream contributions, but they're not paying for the full-time maintainer. And here's where we get to one of those challenges that for every employee that I might empower to make upstream contributions, there's got to be somebody who's triaging those issues and pull requests. There has to be a maintainer or a set of committers or a steering committee of people who are receiving those things and taking those contributions and those requests 
and folding them into part of like the long-term roadmap for the project. And someone has to make decisions about those things. That ends up being fairly thankless work. I think we've seen a lot of discourse from maintainers who feel exploited, sometimes even abused by just the amount of work that is being put on them without commensurate support. And so you hear, I know you hear that I'm talking about projects now where the big idea, the big picture is to talk about foundations, but here's why this connects to foundations. You look at the Django Software Foundation, and one of the very first things they did a number of years ago after its maintainers very wisely through their benevolent dictator for life BDFL governance model into the the bin of history and moved on to a steering committee and then ultimately even more open democratic form of governance. One of the things that the Django Software Foundation did early on that was just brilliant they actually paid somebody, they actually paid somebody to do that thankless work. They paid somebody to triage issues, to review pull requests, and make sure that project is being responsive to its downstream users who are trying to make upstream contributions. That was not possible without a foundation there. And so I look at a more modern example, but still in the Python ecosystem, you look at the Python Software Foundation. And look at the way that we have seen, say, over the last six months, a great deal of of ink spilled about the open source supply chain and security vulnerabilities therein. Now, to be clear, the open source supply chain is no less secure than the proprietary supply chain. Ostensibly, it's more secure because you can vet it, you can see the code. But there's this challenge of, hey, I as and a corporation that want to provide value for my customers using your software in my stack. I want to be able to be confident. I want to be able to tell my board, my investors, my customers that our company and our tech stack is going to be reliable today, tomorrow, and in five years' time, and that this software isn't going to go away. Well, Not only do I want that, but ultimately, because I've got the supply chain stuff on my mind, I might also be concerned about how do I really know where the software is coming from? How do I really know that there's not a, some sort of, you know, a a contribution in there that was untoward? You look at the recent uh, news about the the researchers who made some, some very questionable decisions in sending contributions to the Linux kernel, you know, and that gets people worried, understandably. So. As downstream consumers, as corporations using this open source software, as we confront these concerns, these risks that maybe we weren't thinking about so much before, suddenly it becomes important for us that the Python package index, you know, has signed packages or can provide some additional guarantees or assurances that the software I'm pulling down from the package index is what I expected it to be, is secure and didn't get any untoward contributions in the last release. Okay, well, maybe that's what I need as a corporation, but the Python Software Foundation has its own priorities. The Python Package Index has its own priorities. And that list of priorities is a mile long. And as a downstream consumer of the software, if I want my needs to be met, 
if I want to be confident that these things that I feel are risky are being addressed, then I need to find a way to align our incentives to invest in that. And so I look at what has happened recently with the Python Software Foundation, where Bloomberg has come in, I think, as one of the largest single sponsorships they have ever had to pay for a full-time engineer to work on the Python package index. And I think that's a great example of how the concerns and needs of corporations is you know, occasionally, often actually not really aligned with the upstream organizations, but there's a way that we can come into alignment by putting our money where our mouth is, investing in these foundations that then can provide us the assurances we need. I think this is one of the pitches for open source foundations to organizations that they create neutral grounds that are not controlled by your competitor X. And if I remember correctly, the Linux Foundation was started as a, well, there were several previous foundations that merged at that point, but it created a place to employ the maintainer of the Linux kernel so that he would be not directly employed by any of the companies that relied on the kernel, but they could all benefit from it and share in supporting him. Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. And that is one of the key value propositions of foundations is not only are they just necessary backers for these open source projects for all the, the back office administrative things, but also they provide that neutral territory for us to collaborate even with our competitors. And of course, that's one of the things that's really beautiful about open source is that because we have this open source commons of software that we can all see and use and modify and, and build on, we are able to collaborate with each other across lines that would have traditionally divided us. And it's amazing to see what we can accomplish when we can collaborate even with our competitors. You look at how the Linux Foundation has very successfully entered just countless verticals and brought groups of companies together that, that see each other as fierce competition around some shared infrastructure and projects. And so this, again, this is just another thing that foundations provide is that neutral territory where we can all come together around that rather than being like, oh, gosh, you know, I don't know. The software looks really good, but it's actually controlled by one of our competitors. So I'm not sure we can feel confident about the direction that project is going to take in the future. Maybe our competitor is going to decide to relicense the software. Maybe they're going to pull out a feature that we desperately needed and make breaking changes that would be disruptive to our business. Well, when these projects are stewarded by a foundation, that neutral territory, it doesn't guarantee that those aren't issues but it gives you that neutral place, that open forum to have those conversations, to hash those things out. While open source software today is powering critical infrastructure, the open source ecosystem as a whole is rapidly changing, facing challenges for governance, maintenance, maintainer burnout, funding, marketing, and more. Are you concerned about these things for your open source software too? Well, in the sustained community, we discuss these challenges and share solutions for how to sustain open source in the long haul. We meet once per year in person, and the rest of the time we keep the fire burning in our discourse forum. Join our conversations at 
sustainoss.org and sustainoss on Twitter. So bringing the conversation back to the health of projects and foundations, one thing in the chaos project that we are always working on is how do we actually look at community health? How do we look at project health? And then that is, if we think of it more as a smaller unit, whereas foundations then span multiple projects, unless it's a foundation that is responsible for one project only, which they do exist. But many foundations do have multiple projects. Or if there is a foundation for a single project, then they have a lot of smaller projects that are all within the same scope. So how do we look at the health of projects and foundations where that health, I don't know, can we think of it as bubbling up? The health of the individual projects determines the health of the foundation or the other way around where it trickles down. The health of the foundations determines the health of the projects. And how do we assess that? And I'm just going to throw this out here, not just to you, Josh, but also to Daniel and Brian. So part of the work of that we've been doing in chaos for the last years is kind of indirectly related to understanding the uh, how open source foundations are working. So uh, some of the working groups in what we've done since the very beginning as the uh, diversity and inclusion or evolution ones are focused on some of the metrics on the projects, but some of the metrics on, for instance, events, uh, the diversity and inclusion tickets events, for instance, for some of the foundation summits or so. And this is, as you mentioned before, these foundations are this neutral place where everyone can play together with definitely certain rules. And I'd like to bring here the perhaps the discussion of how having data and open data and somehow from those foundations, from the projects they are running and accessible by others, by third parties to run certain analysis, of course, always taking care of the privacy issues and so on. It's like another transparency layer, not pointing to the wrong places or so, but just to learn that there is an issue there that we should all fix and somehow or improve altogether. Because in the same way that we have license, open source license, or that we have certain assets that are open and publicly available to anyone, even as the data sources or, or conversations or discussions, the data about how people are developing software, which is part of the chaos metrics discussions, is useful as well to bring more transparency and neutrality to the open source foundations. And then I would say this is really interesting for the neutrality of those foundations at the same time. I would say probably one of the easiest way to to measure the health of a given foundation is that at least very in the, here in the US, most nonprofits have to make their financial records publicly available, either through tax forms or any kind of public disclosure. So that's the probably one of the simplest ways of figuring out how healthy a, a foundation is at any given moment. How that kind of reflects down to the projects, though, is really going to be interesting because different foundations do different things for their organizations. They have different missions. You know, the ones that Josh mentioned, the Apache Software Foundation, the Python Software Foundation the Open Source Initiative, the Linux Foundation, which is a whole other thing in terms of its mission statement, and maybe probably sucking all the oxygen out of the room at some point. But they all have different 
missions for their projects, like going back to something that Josh said earlier, the Apache Software Foundation is never going to pay a full-time maintainer to do anything. That is not in their remit. That's not what they do for their projects. The Linux Foundation probably would, and the other one that Josh mentioned. So every foundation is going to govern their constituent projects in a different way. So how well the project is doing fiscally, or the foundation is rather, sorry, may not reflect how well it's handling its projects. This goes back to the old example I used to have with, you know, how we used to measure the health of a project by downloads. And I always used to pick on Mozilla for this one. Firefox has a gajillion downloads. It must be the healthiest project known to humankind. And sure, but we don't know if there's any kind of infighting or going on in the Mozilla, you know, uh, working groups or anything like that. And again, disclaimer, there's probably not. But you know what I mean? It's like downloads don't reflect a project's health. I'm not sure the fiscal strength of a foundation will reflect the constituents' project's health. I'm not sure there's a connection. Honestly, I'm not sure there's a connection anything you can do. I feel like they're kind of separate. And maybe there's a bridge in there that I'm not thinking of. But, you know, this is why I'm kind of like trying to tease out this whole, what do you mean by foundational sustainability? Because I think it's a little bit separate from the health of the projects within it. Not completely, but I think there's a meta conversation that needs to happen. Yeah, I think you make excellent points there. And, and often I think the health of a foundation, it is fairly separate from the health of a project up to a point where the health of the foundation is in, in dire straits, at which point your projects are going to suffer as well, because maybe they're not getting their bills paid, something as simple as that. I think there are lots of ways to think about the health of foundations. And Brian, I think you're really right to highlight how different they are and so how Looking at the financial health might be, you know, it's a signal. It's certainly a signal, but what do you take away from that? And is it apples to apples across foundations? No, it's not. A few ways that I would assess the health of a foundation are not dissimilar from the way that I think chaos has been looking at metrics for health of projects. So for instance, I would look at the diversity of stakeholders as a health metric. If a foundation's board or employees is dominated by one company, if it's a sort of organizational monoculture, well, that's a concerning signal. That's a very concerning signal. That means that no matter whether that foundation is is ostensibly meant to be neutral territory, well, if its governing board isn't all that neutral, then (laughs) that's a problem. So I look at the stakeholder diversity. I also look at the churn and the people who are involved. So for instance, I want to see regular turnover. I don't want to see so much turnover that there's no institutional memory um, and that there's a constant loss of organizational capacity and continuity. But I do want to see churn so that the governing board, for instance, reflects the evolving nature of the community that the foundation is serving. And not only reflects the, the evolving nature of the community, but really just getting fresh perspectives in there. You know, for the same reason that ultimately you want to see maintainers have a succession plan, the foundation better have the same thing. They better have a leadership pipeline. So I look at stakeholder diversity. I look at churn. I also look at just 
transparency and how does that foundation operate? And there are foundations that are, you know, I think it's, I think it's easy to, for people like me in particular, to put forward an overly simplistic notion that nonprofits automatically equal good. And that's not true. There are a lot of nonprofits that are poorly run. There are a lot of nonprofits that are inscrutable. There are a lot of nonprofits that have never handled accountability particularly well. And so there's some assessment to be done there, not just of the, the stakeholder diversity and of the churn, but also, well, what is the quality of the governance and the operations? You know, do they have sound bylaws in place? Do they have uh, good practices of sharing, you know, how their financials are being used? There are lots of different things that we could look at. But then again, I, as I have been thinking about this in the space, I've not been doing the really diligent, thoughtful work that Chaos has been doing over four, four years now. I think your launch was in 2017 in LA. But over the last four years, it's been so incredible to see how Chaos has come up with, here are these like buckets of metrics, and here's what they really might mean. And here are the signals that are actually meaningful within those buckets. Part of that has been figuring out that, oh, these are signals, but they're not apples to apples across projects because projects vary in their nature. And the same is absolutely going to be true of foundations. And so while I can, based on you know, my experience in this industry and, and particularly on the nonprofit side of things, I can sort of armchair quarterback and say, well, here are some metrics that I think are meaningful. And the thought I've put in this is not at all commensurate to the level of thought that chaos has put into metrics around open source projects. So it strikes me as this is an area that's ripe for analysis and discussion. And I think you noted like how kind of hand wavy I get in some of these things. It is because of that exactly. There's really further research to be done. There is indeed another topic we, I, I would say we have not covered, and this is part of the foundation sustainability in somehow. This is about the, well, the, the infrastructure itself going to the point of, uh, well, we can open the discussion about using open source tools or not, or using SaaS service basically as a commodity. So you can choose and move things that sometimes it's not that easy to move information you have stored somewhere, your knowledge base from one place to the other. And how, if there are certain services that at some point expire or are not providing the service quality you expect or, or conditions change for even for nonprofits, then you have a real problem. As, as a foundation and, and how to deal with this. Uh, and that's something that definitely to, to think about. At the Inner Source Commons, we recently started the, the foundation and we've gone through the process of the charter, the bylaws, all of this, being as transparent as possible when given the scenario we move and choosing the right pieces of infrastructure. And then we have this discussion between using the tools that people are used to, to use or using the tools that might be perhaps better from a sustainability perspective or better from a more open source related focus, right? So well, we can think of any of the tools or infrastructure that there are out there. The question is, so we have open source foundations and open source foundations rely on certain pieces of, of infrastructure, right? So we can think of communication channels or we can think of the development tools that we may use either as a SaaS service or not. Some of them might be open source, some of them might not. Specifically to, to those that are not open source, there are there might be changes in the service quality or so. So from a 
data persistence from open source foundation sustainability. Do you think this is something that we should be aware of or take care of? Yeah, I think you, you highlight something really important. The degree to which foundations sort of control their own destiny is absolutely related to you know, the infrastructure choices that they make, as well as the governance choices that they make. And I think it's true to say that when we use software as infrastructure that is open source licensed, that we are more in control of our own destiny which certainly should give us a greater sense of confidence about the future, about the longevity of these projects, and that we're not going to have a, a rely on a service that is suddenly turned down and our data is lost forever. I think that's a fair concern. And there's a bit of a balancing act here, because I find that if I limit myself only to open source software, that often I'm getting myself in trouble, that often I end up self-hosting infrastructure that I really shouldn't be hosting myself or getting into the business of maintaining software that just ends up being more expensive because I'm not getting the benefit of the economies of scale. And so when we look at the infrastructure choices that foundations are making, I do think it's wise to preference open source software. That said, there's a lot of software that I use in my foundation's work that is not open source software. And when we make those decisions, I think it's just important to think, how confident are we in the future of this software, whether it's open source or, or proprietary service? And ultimately, where that leads me personally to make choices is I tend not to use software from, from startups, from new entrants that haven't yet hit financial sustainability themselves. If they're not revenue positive, then their business model may well change on me. And that injects some uncertainty as to the future of my relationship with that, that, that software or that service. But there's also uncertainty introduced by using open source software. So ultimately, it ends up being a matter of navigating those trade-offs very carefully. I don't think there's a one-size-fits-all solution but it's absolutely a factor that people should be thinking about as they make choices. I was asking this partially because when we started Grimoire Lab, which is part of the Chaos Project, so to analyze software development projects and so on. So we came from the university, so there was a clear benefit of having everything as open source. Well, initially the project was Metrics Grimoire, then Grimoire Lab, and then we were part of the Chaos community. That's the short story. And the discussion was, well, we think, we really think that we need open source tools specifically to analyze open source projects. Because at that point in time, there were some proprietary solutions to, to bring some numbers and so on about how open source projects were working. And if you aggregate everything, then you have the numbers for the open source foundation. But basically, we didn't know from a more scientific perspective how they were calculating things. And then we had the feeling that sometimes numbers were kind of changing or so. So we needed something that we can at least trace and check and reproduce if needed at some point. So that's kind of the beginning of Grimoire Lab as a, as a tool. And that feeling of, hey, we need open source tools, at least to analyze this open source project, at, at least to have alternatives to whatever exists at the point in time, that was like a need from, based on our point of view. So, yeah. So we are coming up on the end of the podcast. 
Josh, for someone who is listening and would like to get in touch with you or follow your work, where can they find you online? I can be found at joshsimmons.com. I'm on Twitter at Josh Simmons. And I am on uh, LibreChat as Blue Somewhere. Excellent. And this brings us to the last segment of the podcast, the value ads, where we talk about something that has brought value, joy, or meaning to our lives. And one thing that amuses me is that this episode will be episode number 42. So today we provided you the answer to the ultimate question of life, the universe, and everything. Well, maybe we did, <laughs> but yeah. I just like that. <laughs> what I found interesting is that 42 in the ASCII character set is the wildcard, the asterisk. And so when you run a question with the asterisk, you get all the answers. So I, I just find that very curious. My other value add is that this episode is going to be released on August 27. And so I invite you all to celebrate my birthday with me. Woohoo! Where's the cake? Do we have cake? We need to make some portals to get to the cake. Or a pan-galactic gurgle blaster, in keeping with the theme of the show. <laughs> That's good. Happy birthday. Happy Thank birthday, you. George. Happy birthday. So I had a value add talking about more foundations. So I was really excited to see last month the launch of the new EU-based OSPO Alliance, a whole bunch of nonprofit and governmental organizations, and also commercial, are kind of getting together and trying to figure out how to implement open source program offices in the EU for all of those different kinds of organizations I just described. If you want to check them out, they have a really cool URL, ospo.zone. So I invite you to go check out that organization. Certainly, if you're based in the EU, it's a good one to start looking at. That's a very good point indeed. Yeah, and I would like to bring kind of a topic to, to the end of this discussion. And so I've recently had the opportunity to work with some large corporations and doing some internal, let's say, understanding and analysis about how they behave and work together, all of the employees and so on, with the goal of, you know, fostering transparency and collaboration and, and bringing good practices of this concept of inner source. And then I realized I'm facing certain lack of observing skills or so. So I've started a course on business anthropology. This concept of how to learn about observing the complexity of organizations and help them advance, that's something to have in mind, definitely. So something to mention. One thing that's on my mind that I am just really excited about is the work of folks like Amanda Kasari, Katie McLaughlin, Julia Ferrioli on, I can't unpack the acronyms for you, I apologize, but on Ocean and on Across. And Across is about defining contribution schemas to recognize the broad array of contributions that make open source software, right? Because it's not just code, it's event management, it's community management, it's planning, it's governance. And so they are, are running a series of workshops to enumerate different contribution activities and create schemas that projects and foundations can then use to shine a light on 
not only contributors who have gone unsung for ever, but also to, by revealing that information, help us make informed decisions about the kinds of outreach that we need to improve, the kinds of documentation we need to improve. I really see the work they're doing as a critical crack at a somewhat broken culture that we have in open source. And I'm just really excited to see where that goes. That is very relevant to the types of contributions metric that we have in chaos. If you have any links to that, I'd be very happy to add that in the show notes and then also add that to our metric as a resource. And it is time to say thank you. Thank you, Josh, for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. This is a fun conversation. My pleasure. And thank you, Daniel and Brian, for being panelists with me today. It's been great. You are always welcome. Good to see you guys again. And thank you, dear listener, for joining us today. To stay up to date on future episodes, subscribe for free to this podcast on your favorite podcast app. Share this podcast with your friends and colleagues. If you have ideas for future episode topics or would even like to come on as a guest, please email us podcast at chaos.community. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Until next time, your chaos community. <laughs>